fuck is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. Woo? Yeah. Isn't this guy supposed to be a millionaire? Fuck. Yeah, what do you think? He looks like a fucking loser. Hey, at least I'm housebroken. Fucking time. Thanks a lot, asshole. This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Stoner bowling movie, period piece, western. Providing insight. Why is the half and half everywhere? It was open. Commentary. Got my half and half in the bowling ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. Did they have bowling in the Old West? That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now... So this is the minute that starts with the dude taking his sunglasses out and the blonde tree hard thug looks at the ball and says, um, what the fuck is this, right? Yeah, what the fuck is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. Okay, good. So I am prepared for the right minute. I think so, but it goes on a little past that. Oh yeah, that's just how it starts. Does it start there? I thought it started um, a little after that. Well, let me see. Mine, well, you know, we might be a little out of sync. When I look, it starts with, yeah. Doesn't it start with... um, He reaches in, shakes. What the fuck is this? Before he drops the golf ball, though, right? Oh, yeah, before he drops it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it okay, starts with okay. the dude reaching into the toilet. Like, his hand is practically... Right. Like, it's... Yeah, he, he says, does it look like I'm fucking married? The toilet seat is up. Well, that was the last minute. Right. No. Okay. But, yeah. Where he starts right Doesn't as he start reaches there. in. Right. It starts right he as says, he reaches in. Toilet seat's up, and he's starting to reach in right at five minutes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I feel like this environment now we've been in for a while. In in movie time, we haven't been there that long, but we have we've really talked about this physical environment for quite some time in quite some detail. That's yes. what I feel like. I, I feel like that's true. I, it's hard to know if that is true. I, I certainly Maybe feel it's like not. we've lived several lifetimes in this bathroom at this point. We've had ups, or, we've had downs. Yeah. A few laughs, you know, sometimes some conflict. But it feels like we've been here a while. Um, I want to point out something I noticed production value-wise. If you go forward just a little bit, um, we keep cutting, you know, back and forth. We see Woo, we see the blonde thug, and then we go back to the dude. Every time we go back to the dude, 
they are there's somebody there spraying like milky white substance onto his beard because every time they cut back there's a little drip bloop, that'll drip off it's just a little bit of like extra something that you'd never notice but it's like oh yeah you want to see it you want to remember that his face was just buried in half and halfy toilet water right. and it's probably still all in his beard and dripping off but they had to do that you know it's not naturally going to be inundated in there for this whole scene and be dripping all nicely drip, like that drip, yeah I'm drip one. drip every time you see him they cut back to him drip drip what's well, dripping off his hair i think Oh, not his beard? It kind of like, you know, his hair and beard kind of overlap. Again, I don't know about the artifice or not. He's a burly, beastly man. Because they probably, okay, so tell me this. uh, Like, I mean, they probably shot, I mean, it may be multiple takes put together, but a lot of, they probably shot, shot him on the toilet seat one take. I mean, multiple takes, but it's but it's theoretically. I mean, they didn't like say, "Okay, say this line, cut." All right, now the next line of dialogue, action. No, cut. it's whole takes of it. Yeah, so I you mean, know, minute long or whatever it is. Right. And they did that ten times. Yeah. Seven times. So, I mean, as far as the dripping goes, it's not like there's an opportunity for some like production person to run in with the little squirter. The turkey what baster of, uh, right. of whatever. Right? Between every some kind of like line. theatrical uh, half and half water, right? They probably have some substitute that looks better on film. Because real half and half water on film doesn't look the way it would look, you know, in no, real life. Right. It's like Elmer's glue with just a little bit of water yeah, in it. Yeah, something you know, like or that. Or whatever. But it at is. the same time, I mean, considering it's coming from his hair, I could see that dripping. His hair would probably retain more moisture than the yeah. beard. Cause just because it's thicker, it's lusher. But the beard is going to be very stringy. I, no, I see what you mean. I, I don't know, though, because if you think about... And I just don't know. A Hitchcock movie, you know, the, the legend where, you know, after he was finished editing Psycho, which he edited on film, he had, whatever it was, 50 feet of leftover film that he had right. cut out that was all that was left so if this was a hitchcock movie i mean they would have shot each little piece by itself probably right so here's here's no i just want two seconds of him look and he had kind of tilts and we need a drip of water going so they would be meticulous about it and if you think about when hitchcock was directing it was the studio system where they just have to crank them out and the Coens are under no such restrictions. Right. They have budgetary, they have timelines, but if they really need to spend four hours shooting just the dude's reactions in the bathroom scene here, they could right. do it. Well, and well, with Hitchcock, too, I mean, was film really, really like a limiting factor? The cost of actual celluloid versus, you know... Yeah, I don't think... that is For if, Hitchcock, I don't think it was cost. I think it was just ego. He just had an OCD. Yeah, I'm going to do it exactly. Why would I waste? I know when I have it. Yeah. We're going to rehearse 182 times, and then we're going to shoot it exactly like that. I get the feeling the Coens don't do that. They probably allow a little latitude with their actors. 
Because yeah. otherwise people wouldn't like working with them, probably. Yeah, I think so. And I think they even... I mean, it's something I think as we go through, I think we can have some spirited debates on some of these scenes, like, you know, how much was, like, created in the editing room, some of this magic, and how much was, like, perhaps, like, tweaked on set. Right. Versus meticulously planned. Yeah, and... That's the other thing I thought. It's maybe, so as an editor of this scene, you have, what do you have? You have kind of a wide shot of the dude sitting on the toilet, and they probably shot that. Here's a shot, dude doing the whole thing, grabbing the sunglasses out, and then sitting up on the, putting the lid down, sitting up on mm -hmm. it, looking there, doing the whole scene that way. Then they have the close-up of the dude doing the same thing. Then they have shot of Blonde Thug, one angle of that, and shot of Wu, one angle of that. So four angles. Now the editor gets those, and it, he's kind of got some leeway there to like cut back and forth when he sees fit. So maybe it's just that the editor was cutting to the dude for a nice drip. He's like, no, I'm going to take it a half second earlier because I want to see that drip. True. So looking at here, you know, scrubbing through, there's really, I think it's two. There's really just two cutbacks to the dudes with the, with the drips. And they each have drips. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of drips. I mean, even as he's talking, there continues to be drips. He has some drippy hair. It's shaggy, you know? It holds a lot of liquid. So do you think if the tree, the blonde tree horn thug, was shoved into the toilet, would his hair drip as much as the dude's? I don't think so because his hair seems oilier. Like he's got a lot of product in there, which makes it oilier. So it would repel that moisture. So it immediately just kind of like sluice off. It wouldn't sit there and drip. It doesn't have these nooks and crannies and these crags like the dude's hair right. has. Like it probably just sluice off, and then you'd have a couple of stray drips, but it wouldn't ha like hold it like the dude's hair does. The dude's hair is like a mop, you know, and the blonde thug's hair is more like a, like a silicone barbecue basting brush. I'll buy that. I have one. It's it's yellow. Like a plastic handle and it's great because like some people use the um like an actual barbecue mop it looks like a mop that you would mop a floor with like the ones with the the strings all, the yeah. bunch of strings hang out and it just it does really like soak up all the moisture but i find it kind of gross because you feel like you can never get it clean well, is this the one, is this made out of silicon, or is this the one made No, out no, this is, this is made out of, like, you know, cotton or something, like an okay. organic. Yeah. That just seems like, it just seems somewhat unsanitary. It does, after terribly. After multiple uses. Right. You, you get to use number three, and you don't want to put it through the dishwasher, because it starts breaking apart and, like, sending little pieces into your dishwasher, but... You know, you, you wash it by hand, you don't really get it that clean. The silicone one is like very stiff bristles. It's like maybe 12 stiff bristles. So it doesn't actually hold that much barbecue sauce. 
but it gets enough because you just need a thin coat. You don't want a lot on there anyway. Thin little coat, and then it cleans off like five seconds. Hot water, it's completely clean. It just doesn't stick to it. It perfectly balances the... Well, it has the exact amount of, of barbecue sauce you'd want. Yeah. Tied, yep. you know, and, and the benefit of doing that is that it's easy to clean. It's a win-win. Yeah, there's no downside. There's no downside. And let's face it, the blonde thug has better hair than the dude. If you're going on like a GQ, like, let's rate hairstyles, there'd be a small part of the population who'd say, no, dude's hair is awesome because it's carefree, it's, you know, it's messy, it's dirty, it's grungy. I like that. Yeah, the blonde... But Judd... Yeah, the blonde... But he's got better hair. Yeah. He could I mean, be in, like, on. the Sears catalog. Yes. Modeling, yes. like, a flannel shirt in 1991. Yeah, 1990... Like, which, which, again... Probably until 94, even. Like, you could yeah. go up to 94. He'd still probably be cool. Yeah, definitely. Despite his tight jeans with his tucked-in shirt. Right. Yeah, the, the, the jeans with the tucked-in <laughs> shirt. They know that. And, like, Wu has the same thing. And they yeah, and they're tapered. And they marching out of there. With their tapered, tucked-in jeans. Their, with their sleeveless shirts tucked into their jeans. And they <laughs> it, it's they march out one after the other. Wu goes, the other guy walks out, right? It's just like, boom, boom, they march out. It's so... Like, again, the kind of things that maybe you notice subconsciously, but wa watching this again and again, seeing, like, I don't know, there's something about it. So bizarre. So bizarre. The fashion sense is so weird. The, yeah, the belt is kind of cinched up there. Um, and they walk out so indignantly, too. I just love that. Like, oh, my God. You're such a loser for not being the right guy. I can't believe it. They really do. And Wu doesn't wait for him. No. He's so... He's so indignant that he just has to get out of there. It's a real drain on him, personally. The dude's lack of proper identity. So do we need to talk about this bowling ball falling onto these tiles? I think we might need to. Perhaps we should just back up and, you know, we're kind of jumping around the chronology, right? A little bit. So, so do, bit. you know, let's just wait. So, dude, yeah, shakes off his glasses. Mm-hmm. Cut to, immediately cut. Cut to the blonde tree horn bug ripping off the case off the dude's bowling ball. Like, in mid-rip, it cuts to that. As he looks at it quizzically. Which means he had already put his hand inside the bag and was holding the ball. Yes. Like, and the bag was on top of the ball. Yes. Well, he might, you know, as a thug, that might be a, a move you're used to doing, right? I think that's kind of a but tough guy move. I'm not going to, like, take something out of the bag. I'm going to reach in, grab the thing, then rip the bag off it. Right? He you're probably gonna reveal, does that a couple times a day. You're going to reveal this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Let me reveal something to you. Yeah. I'm so... I don't know well, what this is. Maybe I so. need to fucking rip this bag right off it. We're going to all experience this moment together. Eyes right here. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It cuts to him in, like, already the reveal has begun. It's like... And it all happens so fast. A cut and a smooth motion. It's just like, bam, reveal. Bowling ball. Quizzical. Quizzical look. 
some bit of confusion. What the fuck is this, he says. It's nice because you can see the reflector in the uh, reflection of the bowling ball. Yeah, so what is that? That's a reflector. It's bouncing lights. It's basically a big bounce card. It's bouncing the light, making it softer. And then there's a light up above, and that's the harsher light on his hair. That you can see is the brighter spot. On his hair? Yeah, it's a hair light. But you can't see that light in the reflection. Sure you can. It's a sphere. You can practically see behind him in that reflection. Do we see any of him in the reflection? I think right on that rim, right on the the little rim is his hair. Yeah, that's his hair. And then below that, I kind of see like a light. It's kind of split into four sections. That's the hair light. That's oh, I see the oh, I see the reflector now. I wasn't even looking at that. Holy crap! Yes. Yeah. Now I'm on to that. Wow. Yes. The four sections is motivated by the fact that we saw the bare light bulb in the ceiling. So the, those four, whatever kind of fixture that is, I don't know. But that's supposed to be the uh, bare light bulb. Right. It's not, obviously. It's a light. Right. You know, a 60-watt incandescent bulb is not going to really light the no, scene. No, it's not going to light the scene. So it's a Mole Richardson, and Ari, who the hell knows what. But then the reflector is below that. Yeah, I see. I wasn't even looking at that. Well, the way it just is kind of warped, like it just kind of like you don't even notice it. Like it's somehow it just like with the like curvature of the ball, like it's supposed to be there. It kind of becomes invisible. Yeah, like oh, that's just yeah. it's the curve of the ball. Same thing with that light at the top, right? Like right. Oh, this like is if just I draw like it. what a spherical surface kind of looks like. Yeah, if I was to draw it, I would draw some kind like of an like apple. line. Like you draw an apple to show the contour. You have a, you have that little contour on the side of the apple, you know. Look, it's shiny. Yeah. But that's all that's doing is bouncing that uh, basically overhead fixture back into his face. Right. So if they didn't have that bounce card there, his eyes would be total sockets. I mean, you can already see, like, his nose is a triangle of light and his hair is very bright. Right. But the only reason we can see the rest of his face is because they're bouncing that back into there. But to give them credit, they are using one source. Because we know in this bathroom there's only one source of light and it's directly overhead. Yep. So they're just bouncing around from that. But it's pretty good. How about pretty good. That? And they don't, you know what I hate about ugh, movies sometimes is when they light it and it's like you be in a scene like this where you know you're in a bathroom and there's just one light and it's a bare light bulb, it's straight overhead. And yet they'll have the perfect like contrast ratio, the one side's a little brighter, the one side's a little darker. They'll have a backlight and a hair light perfectly rimming in the outline of the body. It's like, what's, where's that coming from? They didn't do that here. They lit it from overhead and they just bounced in and filmed a little bit. I appreciate it. You know, one thing that this took me a little while to catch on to. And what's that? You know, it's something that, you know, for if there does happen to be, you know, on some weird fluke, someone actually listening to this. 
you know, the art of cinema and, you know, the art of photography as well is really the art of lighting. Painting with light, right? Yes. It's, it's like an artist who paints. What do they use? Right. I mean, lighting... They, they use paint. Exactly. You know, the, the, the type of camera you have is nowhere near as important or as influential as to what you capture as the lighting is. It's, yeah, not nearly as important as where you put the light. Yeah. Or how you position yourself to the light. Even if you're using natural light, your ability to see that light and understand. And that's something I personally am working on still, right? There's some phrase. I'm going to, like, screw it up. I should probably just Google the actual thing here. Let me see you if can I can do find that. it quick. You know... There, I take great enjoyment out of your photos. I think that you do a lot with the play of light. Well, a lot I, of contrast, I, harshness, and brightness, and darkness, I and you kinda, know when to emphasize. I, I kind of I kind of do, right? Um, kind of do. I mean, you're not... I'm working on that. See, so there's some phrase, and I can't find it now, right? And when I say where to put the light, I don't mean where to put the light bulb, you understand. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, where, where to throw the light, where the light goes, what yeah. it hits, what it doesn't hit. So this phrase that I don't know who to attribute it to, that I've heard several times and I can't even find it now. Oh wait, this page might have it. It's something to the effect of like, you know, like the, the amateur um, like, like the beginner photographer, you know, sees the subject, the good photographer sees the composition, and then the master photographer sees the light. <laughs> Something to that extent, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's incredibly true. And I would say if I was to kind of like think of myself, like, I've definitely moved, like, I definitely see the composition. Seeing the light is very hard for me. It is still a struggle. It, huh. it is a struggle. I can, I don't know that I can even do it at all. If I can do it at all, I can barely do it. But again, it's just something that takes practice to to continue to work on. But it it's something that I've tried to do, and who knows? Maybe I'm still just seeing the subject. But I remember. Um, we referenced 123 High Street. This is a, an apartment I lived in in college. And uh, there was one summer where uh, I decided to shoot a movie in the living room. And I was inspired by David Lynch shooting, um, what was it, Grandma? Is that the one he shot where he painted the insides of his house black? Every wall in his house is painted black. Is it the grandma, amputee, the alphabet? I don't remember what it was. Right, yeah, one of those early things that you get on like a bootleg VHS tape at a Star Trek convention. Exactly, exactly. One of my friends got it for me, I'm sure. But I remember he painted the whole inside of his house black. Now, first of all, well, that takes a lot of doing to convince the other people that live right. there that that's going to be okay. I'm going to go to Sears and get some paint. It's going to be all right. I'll, I'll repaint it the way it was once I'm done. But 
the whole idea of that was that you start with nothing. So it's black. All the walls are black and there's no light. There's nothing there. Now I'm going to put the light where I want it. Okay, back in this corner over there, there's going to be a little pool of light. Maybe I'll have something in that pool of light. Closer now, I'll have an overhead light and there'll be something there. And then maybe towards the foreground, maybe a little, little pool of light here. But the idea was that you're only pu putting the light where you want it. And that summer, we did that and we built walls inside the existing walls and painted this, these walls black and just shot a movie in it. And it was great. And it looked like it could have been a cavernous warehouse when it was really only a 12 foot by 12 foot living room. So I've been trying to see the light. I guess that's a long-winded way of saying yeah. No, that, trying that, to see the light. You are definitely superior to me when it comes to lighting, right? Especially when it comes to using, um, you know, like, our, I don't know what the term, artificial lights, right? Setting up lighting. But I'm by no means a master. Well, you know, I don't, well, I mean, I don't know that you could, anyone can declare themselves a master. And I certainly can't sit in judgment of who's a master and who's a, not in this, in this category myself. But I think, you know, where was I going? Yes, you're obviously, yes, my superior when it comes to lighting. Um, you understand the basics in a way that even I don't. I mean, partly is... In my work, you know, I'm just, I guess, partly lazy and partly trying to just figure out like what it is I'm even doing. Like, I'm still stuck on some level of, I don't know. I'm st I still believe in some ridiculous romantic notion that isn't even real about, like, just capturing, like, documenting things as they are. So yes. mainly I use like, you know, cinema verite. Yeah, I mainly, you? you know, I'm still kind of stuck on using available light, but the only real reason is I'm too lazy to go around and like set up lights. But that's French for cinema truth, you understand. Oh, I I understand that very well. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's giving it its fair due. It's just a different aesthetic. You know, maybe I'm just the Hitchcock mode right. and Maybe you're the Cohen mode where you you roll with it, right? You know, I mean, instead it, of like yeah. meticulously like lording over every detail, right. there's a beauty to capturing the moment like right. that. Sure. Well, and I think at the same time, I mean, in the long term, I think it makes it much more difficult because it's one thing to set up some lights you can control the light, right? The the ability to actually see it maybe isn't as important, right? Because you can just kind of like manipulate it according to right. a certain formula theoretically or according you know you know or take your time to manipulate it how you'd like versus i can actually see how the light works around this corner right now mm -hmm. and i'm going to take that picture and i'm going to position myself in such a way against the light to do that mm -hmm. so i'm actually making it it seems like short term, you know, it's one of these things being like, you know, penny wise and pound foolish in a way. Like, oh, I don't want to screw around with lights, but actually I'm making it much harder, limiting myself to, uh, to artificial light, I suppose. I don't know. There's one way to look at it.
I can look at it a lot of different ways at once. That's probably my biggest problem also. Cause of and solution to all of your problems. Exactly. So obviously you're not a golfer. He drops it. It hits the floor. Yes. It perfectly cracks the tiles to create a little indentation for itself into which it settles. Mm-hmm. <sighs> did they drop that, it in the actual bathroom set? Or did they have a this, separate set of tiles to film that? And they had like six different tile floors that just like kind of rotated and out to film it six times. Which, which have been perforated on that uh, quadrant right there. You know, perforated underneath to create this perfect little... Cause look at how it... You know, I'm, I'm paused on the frame where the ball has hit once and has bounced up in the air. And on both sides, got this kind of beautiful, you know, very obtuse-angled yeah. Y on both sides. Maybe at the same time... So if I was filming this, I would get my little, like, tile floor slid in into the studio, whatever, you know, lit up, I would drop the ball and see what happens to the ball and to the floor. Okay, but you have six chances here. Sure, so, so maybe I might do, do six that. and pick the best, right? And that's where the artifice comes in. But, you know, let's say a ball dropping on a, a floor, who, how does it react, right? And what if instead of cracking the tiles in that kind of almost perfect circular pattern, it instead, like, causes the tiles to, like, remain whole, but kind of, like, fly up off, right? Whatever it does. Okay, well, that's what it did. Now, granted, there'd be problems if something happened, like, it falls and rolls away, and then, like, what the, what the hell do you do? Right, maybe... Yeah, because it would be rolling around. Like. Yeah, then it's just stuck in the scene. Do you ever see the ball again in the scene? I don't think you do. Let me... Let's check. No, I don't think you do, and I just looked at the... I let it play from where it was hovering midair and dropping in, and it it weirdly settles right into that uh, indentation, and it almost seems like they're playing it in reverse. No. I mean, it's a heavy ball, right? And the fact that you never see the ball again could be a coincidence, or it's just more about the fact that you just don't know what's going to be in there. I mean, it can't be played in reverse. Ooh, wait. No, because there's a shot of it completely whole. My Netflix is playing pretty herky-jerky, so yeah. it's hard for me to tell. Yeah, no, there's definitely a frame of it completely whole. Okay. So, it's not quite that. But it does settle down in there. I mean, it does. It just... I mean, that what ball has like, no, again, I think it's, it's the, uh, the, the, the factor of how just, you know, the composition and the density of a bowling ball, but that thing does not have a whole lot of play. It does a bounce, a and then it's ball. like, boom, it's stuck there. We're it's assuming not, that's a bowling ball. It's well, size, shape. What if it's one inch across, and it's just made out of lead, and those are tiny little squares? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> or what just if those Watch are, it again. Watch it again, thinking about it as one inch across. It's one inch, like the size of a ping pong ball. But this is really heavy. And... Probably not. I don't know. It's just, it's, 
it's acting a little funny. I don't know how to. I don't know what to put my. Well, again, on. I don't think we're used to dropping bowling balls on tile floors. I think there's a lot of different things there that might not work the way your you know your mind might think it would. In terms of you know the weight of the ball, the the way uh, you know ceramic tile would actually break and shatter, and then how that would, again. <clears throat> You know, reflect itself in terms of the movement of that ball and settling into I mean, I that hole. Try to avoid dropping bowling balls. Like it's taboo. You do not do it. Right. Well, so it'll this, hit your toe. It'll break something. It'll go yeah. rolling off. Yeah, you don't exactly. Yeah, you just so. don't go doing that. It's and again, blonde tree horse thug either doesn't know, definitely doesn't care, even if he knows or not. About this taboo. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Yeah, he just doesn't Obviously, you're not a golfer. I know, which you hate. It's one of the dude's one-liners, and I think it fits perfectly into his pattern of behavior. You you might be right. You know, I think I need to soften on that stance. I think I was wrong. Um... There are, as I think through, you know, multiple examples of his type of sense of humor in one-liners. This is perhaps maybe the most borderline case. Because you'd think he would be a little too scared, right? He's playing it just a little too cool. He's not like, I should actually kind of be afraid for my life a little bit right now. But at the same time, this is the beginning. It's before he gets worn down, before he realizes what kind of trouble he could be in, before things go bad so many different ways, he realizes that like they have the potential to even keep getting worse. There's a thing that movies do. You watch a movie, and the, the unspoken understanding is that. I'm watching this movie because this... It's 90 minutes for me, however long it takes in that person's life, whoever the protagonist is, however long it takes in their life. This is the most significant portion of their life. That's why they made it into a movie. They wouldn't take the most boring part of a person's life and make it into a movie. The reason it's a movie... Unless it was a French movie. Unless it was Godard. They're making it into a movie because it's the most interesting and dramatic portion of that person's life that character's life but maybe this kind of shit happens to the dude on a weekly basis this just happens to be this part of it so he just takes it in stride so what you're saying is there's potential here for dude prequels dude television series maybe like direct on showtime it hasn't happened I just can't believe it hasn't happened who's gonna do it there was a hoax on the internet not too long ago. What, a sequel? That there was going to be a sequel, and the internet was up in arms. Turned out to be fake. You know, some people faked some websites. It got picked up on, like, some kind of, like, L.A. entertainment blog, then blogged it. Oh, look what they're doing. So then it kind of led some credence and then went out. You know, but it was all, like... And, you know, it was just ridiculous. For a moment, for, like, about... I would say about a minute to two minutes. I was afraid this could be real, right? And I was like, but I, I... So you hated the very idea of that. Well, okay, if you say there's a sequel, yes. Off the bat, I'm like, okay, there's, there's no need for a sequel. 
I just can't believe they do that, but maybe, who knows? Uh, you know, the description then, if you read it, it was called... Ah, Alright, it was something like Bill Murray played some kind of evil guy that was going to, like, close down the bowling alley. <laughs> it was like this ridiculous... Oh. ...thing. You had me at Bill Murray, though. Yeah. Here. The Big Lebowski sequel, Hoax Fools the Internet. This is at NME.com. What year is this? This was just, uh, this was, this article was July 2nd, 2012. This is recent. Yeah, very recent. This was after we had started, like, recording these episodes. Well, not very recent, because for all we know, the first person to stumble across our podcast is in the year 2036. Very possible. Might be a very long time ago. So, you know what my goal is for this podcast? Is What's your goal? I don't necessarily need, we don't need any listeners. No, we just but need perhaps, to not loathe ourselves when we yes, listen to it. But How's if we can manage starters? to not loathe ourselves when we listen to it, once, I think, maybe in the year 2036, when they make, like, the extra special version of Lebowski as a, we like, a five second as a, like special, like, you know, bonus feature could be all of our audio included in, like, the 100th <laughs> year anniversary Lebowski disc it would like which of course wouldn't be a disc it would be like a mind hologram or something but it would include like not only the film but also like every piece of media the 50th year impression yes exactly yeah every, every piece of media ever done on this antiquated technology called the internet where people you know so all these crazy like tumblr animated gifs and you know, rec- recordings of the Lebowski festival stuff, and, and our stuff will be in there too. One hundred eighteen hours of asinine exactly. commentary, insight, and conjecture. And even a hundred yeah. years from now, no one's even going to listen to it. But it no, matter. but it'll be there. It'll be, it'll be there. there. Damn exactly. it! Exactly. And then you can go around like, I got imprinted on my mind. Hundred eighteen hours of blah bullshit, blah blah blah. Great, good for you. I don't ever access that portion of my cerebellum but it's there if i want to so here it is the sequel the fake sequel that doesn't exist the story centers around jeff bridges as jeff the dude lebowski and walter sobchak who was played by they John got that s- stuff right though you know yeah that would have had me right there look at that I, I to be honest i'm not even sure if they have me there maybe maybe i just have too much of a stick up my ass i don't know the, two the same just, characters. Well, maybe the Big Lebowski sequel needs to be about a completely different Lebowski. That might be the only way it could work. Well, sometimes there's a man. Doesn't have to be that man. Exactly. The he two- was just high in the running. He wasn't necessarily number one. So here it says. So it says the two have just learned that their bowling alley will be closing in exactly one week to make way for a parking garage. All at the hands of a corrupt and evil landowner named Bavarian Illuminati who is played by Bill Murray. The pair decide to seek out the help of the dude's only son, Mark Lebowski, played by Jesse Eisenberg, who was conceived in the first movie. The dude's son is now 18 years of age and just happens to be the youngest congressman in the history of the United States. Is Jesse Eisenberg uh, the social network? Yes. Is that that fella? Okay. You know... I wouldn't necessarily be happy with 
them making a sequel out of The Big Lebowski, but if they had to, I'm on board so far. Uh, I, I gotta say, I'm on board. I'd give it a chance. I might give it a chance. It's just so hard. You know you'd give it a chance. You know you would. And you know what? They would be you would probably like it with me, and I can't explain completely no, why. They wouldn't. In fact, I would come out of the theater much more pissed off than you would because I would have given it a chance and been expecting something half decent. And you would have gone in there all PO'd and brow furrowed, expecting nothing, and it would have given you a 3 out of 10, and you would have loved it. Expectation to pay off. I need to become more cynical, I think. Look at that blonde thug. Look at the right side of his shirt. Still soaking wet. Yes, his right, our left. Yep. Another nice detail. Yeah. Well, the, the left side, again, his left, our right. Is that correct? I can't tell right and left. Anyway, that I guess that was protected by the, little bo- by, uh, the dude's body, right? Yeah, well, he was using his right side, his right arm, and his right side to shove yep. him down in there. Yep. So partly wet. And then later, when he walks away, do we see any... Yeah, not really. Again, can't get over his jeans. Okay. Again, talking about the fat... Oh, no, never mind. I thought for a moment that he was wearing like some kind of sandals with socks, but it's not. It's just kind of some kind of sneakers with a funky pattern. They made it look that yeah. way momentarily, because that would be, I mean... I wouldn't want to get into that debate, that, that conversation at all, because I just, I just wouldn't, wouldn't be any good right now. And so you can see out the door when Wu leaves the apartment, he, again, they're leaving single file. <coughs> or some shit, isn't he? And you can see the door to the apartment across the way, which seems a lot closer, probably at this focal length, than it did when the dude was walking up to the You're door. You're right. It looks like it's like about uh, two feet away. It looks like it it's actually, a bedroom. It actually looks like I don't understand how the door can open all the way without hitting right. it. It's so close. Is, and he's like about to run into it with his face. Like Maybe he's hitting it as he walks. Mm-hmm. No, he's just... Walking out, so it must be a trick of that focal length. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it it, it compresses. That kind of sense. stuff is known to happen. Yeah. Man, I'm just on the shot of that door, and there's that blonde treehorn thug. So styling. I'm gonna start dressing like him. I'm gonna grow my hair out long. Well. Dye blonde. I think in this day and age that you could probably pull that off. I could. I've been, you I know, you I've, been, I've been working out. I could rock the sleeveless uh, shirt there, the tank top. I can treat everyone, you know, give them free admission to the gun show. Without the, a doubt. The opening title comes up. What we see... Wait, okay, what will be before we get there. Oh, you got something? I just got something here. So again, I'm watching these guys walk out. 
Single file. Indignant. You can clearly see the rug. You can clearly see no such stain, disoilment, anything. Unless this woo has some kind of strange urine, I don't know. Like, what would cause that to happen? Like, really dry, powdery urine. Well, maybe it's, he's, it's mostly alcohol, so it evaporates really quickly. He's a drunkard. Well, even, you see, if you even go back... So, this is one question where we have to start asking ourselves, like, does the aspect ratio on this format somehow fuck it up, right? Like, was that not visible in the theater somehow? You know what I mean? I hate that I that concept, because, you know? Yeah. When, when it, when it, what oh, was that? Pee-wee's Big I Adventure, right? Yeah. Yes, Where exactly. Conveyor belts there. Yeah, I just... I don't even. But in like that case, that was like that. some of the best parts of the movie was the fact you could see that stuff. That like made the movie awesome. Okay, that's a different movie was, though than. But this. oh yeah, different movie, different take. That's probably the only example of that happening. Right. But like, right even here, you know, he's like, "Isn't this guy supposed to be a millionaire?" You see, like Wu turning around, like he's standing there. You can clearly see the rug. Not wet. And there's nothing. I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't interpret anything there as being wet. I mean, there's some kind of pad. Like, the rug is, like, part of it is, like, gray, like, in the middle. Like, I guess it's, like, frayed. But, like, yeah, there's nothing. There's just nothing. Hmm. Nothing there. Yeah. So there we go. I guess... He didn't um, really pee on the rug. All he really had in his pants was a little tape player that had the sound of pee. And he just did it to psych out the Lebowski. But he Lebowski also must is have so had... high, he never realizes no one even peed on it. But, I mean, we see it, and it's not stylized, so he must have had, like, maybe it's a long, arcing piece of aluminum foil wrapped into, like, a narrow tube that he just kind of shakes a little bit to simulate a, a an arc of urine. There is a visual there. We do see a, an arc. I don't have that minute. So I can't go back. Right, we don't go back. I'm sorry. Well, you, you, we can go back. I, the way I've done this, just a little inside, you know, view is I actually make a little quick time movie of just the minute that we're talking about, and have right. that loaded up because otherwise it's just too hard. I'm like trying to scan forward and back, yeah. and I just get yeah. lost. Right. So I only have right now in front of me that minute, and now it's showing out the problem of I can't like you know easily reference something that might be another part of the movie but it's possible that you remember that happening from us yeah, discussing it for an hour and 20 minutes that's possible yeah right it's okay. possible but at the same time because we had a, we talked before, about this i wouldn't have said that there wasn't a stain on the rug you know what i mean well yeah, oh, yeah but there's like a puddle we talked about this because we talked about whether or not the actor playing woo had some sort of like tube or something and like bzzz, you know or was he actually yes. peeing and i think we came to the consensus no he had a like some sort of bag hose thing that he was spraying he's not actually peeing like so how did they fuck that up like hit like osha would be up in arms you know you wouldn't be able to do that sure no i got you we talked about that. So how did they fuck that up? Um, 
Considering... Right, they must have shot him peeing, because they actually poured, if we're to believe this, you know, and I can't see it, maybe you can verify, like, you actually see water being poured onto the rug in one shot. But that's what I, you started down this path of, like, he just had a tape recorder, the character had a tape recorder convincing the dude that that was happening, so it's like, he's making it up in his mind. So I was just going with you on that, saying, well, maybe he just had a an arc of aluminum foil or something that looked like urine going on the rug and he was playing a tape recorder of the sound. I hear what you're saying. But you but do what I'm saying you is, do see something yeah. that looks like liquid arcing out from his groin onto the rug. I'm I'm looking at it right now. No, don't do that. Here it comes. It's definitely liquid. It's spurting and like going lesser and more so they filmed that. Can you actually see the rug in that shot? Um, or is it just kind of going off the frame? I think it's going off the frame. But it's definitely liquid. So maybe he's going into like a little container. Right. Or they shot that scene at the end. Or they like reset the room like so many times again for different takes. Mm -hmm. And somehow just the way they did it. I mean... Hmm. Again, maybe, maybe in the theater you, you don't see that. You would think in the theater you would see all of it. I because mean, this Netflix aspect ratio I'm looking at, it's definitely not, you know, anamorphic stuff here. It's much more square than you would imagine it would be in the theater. Well, that's how you end up with more stuff in it. The more square you get, you end up with stuff on the top and bottom you didn't get originally. Theoretically, I think, right? There's so many factors into this. That's how yes. Pee-wee's Big Adventure happened to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But Pee-wee's Big Adventure wasn't intended for theatrical release as much? Well, it was. It was No, it was a theatrical release. So... <clears throat> If you have, let's say, a so a what I'm on a wide screen quote unquote aspect ratio, right? Then you have to make that square to fit on a television. You can either chop right. off like the right and left and crop yeah. it and make it a square, or you can actually add stuff to the top and bottom that was actually there on the film but cut out when it was cut, right? So it's like shot on 16 millimeter as a certain aspect ratio. You know, projected at 35, it's like cropped that way. That, that's what happened to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I understand, but that's that's just an oversight on their part. And I don't believe any such thing happens to the professionals that are involved in a production of this scale. Your point is well it doesn't. Well taken. I mean, someone does this production, right? They make it perfect for the film. They don't know what jackass later on is going to do a different job to make it fit on a VHS tape or a DVD or a Blu-ray or a Netflix stream or God knows what, right? It's Not like the Beatles and Mono. I think uh, they would have some say over that, man. Maybe they wouldn't care. That's just like my opinion, man. It's like your opinion, but I mean, I don't know. So I would set as precedents... Pee-wee's Big Adventure and the Beatles in mono versus stereo. What's Beatles in mono? Who would listen to the Beatles in mono? When the Beatles were recording, mono is how everyone experienced their music. Radio was primarily mono. 
most people had mono phonographs. The Beatles spent all their time in the studio mixing and mastering for mono. Stereo at the time was kind of like a gimmick. Like the way 3D movies are now, right? And just they just let some engineer do that part, right? And what you end up with is some really weird shit. Google this later on and look at this. So, like, some of these songs, especially, like, Sgt. Pepper's, that album, right? There are some huge differences between the mono version, which is what I would call what the Beatles actually wanted, versus what we all think of as those songs. For example, She's Leaving Home is played a half step faster on the mono version. Why? And it sounds way better. I don't know. That's what they wanted. They wanted it in that key at that tempo. Wait, why would that was it end up... the decision the Beatles made. Slower. They didn't speed it up when the stereo guy did the stereo release. So wait, they recorded it and then sped it up for the mono release? Yeah. We didn't like um, the way we sound naturally. We're going to speed it up? Right. I mean, it doesn't sound unnatural. It's very subtle. But I think it sounds better. Just the tempo's a little faster. The Again, the, the key, it's a half step higher. I think it sounds way better. Um, I guess that's, again, subjective. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. The chorus of that. John's voice is, like, flanged to hell. No yeah. such flange effect that we're used to hearing when, when I think of that song. Because I only really know the stereo versions. In the um, mono version, it's flanged no, to hell? It's flanged up. It's all His voice is all distorted. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> Lucy in the sky with diamonds. It sounds like that. Doesn't sound like that in the version we know. Um, she's... In um, the Sergeant Pepper's reprise, reprise, yeah, you can hear Paul yelling and hooting and hollering like that. You can't; it's just not there in the stereo version. We all know. Um, in I'm only sleeping, which isn't Sergeant Pepper's, but in that right. song, there's Revolver, an extra right? guitar solo that is not present. In what we know of as that song, but isn't that just different versions? Like you know, George Martin came in and like, no, boys, we need to have some horns come in here, and blah blah blah. And they never wanted that. Isn't that just a, a different version of the song, not just a different mix of the same song? Isn't it a different well, recording? Like, put yeah. the extra guitar solo in. No, boys, we need the extra guitar solo. No, we don't. Yeah, put it in there. Well, let's just, put it this way. The extra guitar solo, the Beatles wanted it in there. Right? Like, the mono version is what the Beatles worked on. That's what they worked at. That's what they spent all their time on. And that's what they ultimately said, okay, this is ready. Let's press this record. Then they went out to have beers. And then later on, some other guy was like, oh, yeah, we need the stereo version, right? Like, today, like, oh, let's make the 3D effect or something like i don't know like this is just how it has been explained to me huh but if you look at again go online you can hear these samples 
of these songs and, and the lists of differences. And it's, it's insane. Like, you suddenly realize, wait a minute. Like, we've all just been, like, sold a lie this whole time. What really happened is, you know, the guy went in to mix it with stereo, and he just had notes, right? Like, oh, you know, add flange, you know, there's the, at this point, this good track goes in, at this point it goes out, right? And, like, they just weren't, like, followed exactly. And this was many years after these albums were released. No, it was like at the same time. I, I, th- I, I don't really know about that, but I think it's pretty much at the same time. Like they did release, like you could go. Yeah, I don't know. This is too much for me right now. It, it is a lot. When I discovered this. You're systematically destroying everything I hold it, dear. It blew my mind. But no, I don't think I should systematically destroy it because what you're about to do, if you go and seek out the mono versions, is suddenly, it's like for the first time actually hearing what these songs actually sound like. But I don't like that. I don't like that because I remember distinctly being just so amazed by the stereo-ness of the songs, especially the White Album. Like Revolution Number Nine, like the things going on, even not even the crazy shit like that, but like Glass Onion and stuff, like the drums being separated out and having just the snare on the left channel, you know. And because I remember this distinctly, because at one of our places we had the stereo set up so that one of the speakers was in a hallway on one side of the house, and the other speaker was in the living room on the other side of the house. So you would walk to the one side of the house and go into the bathroom and there would be one speaker there in the hallway and you would only hear that channel. You were far enough away you couldn't hear the other channel. And I remember just listening to that one channel thinking, that is genius. All there is is the snare and like someone going, it's amazing. And to think that they didn't intend to do that kind of ruins the mystique a little bit more. Well, what I... So, my take on it is a little different. I have always hated the crazy channel separation in in the Beatles records. Jeez, man. Like, sometimes, like, for... You're okay, just a hater. So, 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 for Revolution 9, like, okay, that makes sense. I can totally get into that. <laughs> but, like... Even, like, just, like, you know, maybe the most, like, innocuous songs, like, Martha, My Dear. Like, like even listening with headphones, like, it was just too, like, the tuba is only in the right for the whole damn song. Like, what's going on? Like, it was, like, I was, like, was this, like, before? Like, is this just how they made rap? Like, I didn't understand. Like, every song was that way. And the answer is yes. That's how they did it back then. Stereo was new, and they didn't figure out, like, probably the, the right way to do it yet. But again, the Beatles. That's what didn't makes do that, that shit so awesome to me, though. Is because you listen to other stuff at the time. It didn't sound like that. Nobody would have had the tuba only in the left channel. It would, probably would have been centered, or at least slightly off center. So here's a quote from uh, George Harrison At the time, the console was about. This big with four faders on it, and there was one speaker right in the middle, and that was it. When they invented stereo, I remember thinking, why? What do you want two speakers for? Because it ruined the sound from our point of view. 
You know, we had everything coming out of one speaker. Now it had to come out of two speakers. It sounded like very naked. Naked? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Naked sounds good to me. I wouldn't yeah, want it to sound naked. I prefer that. Yeah. Get down to the meat of things here. For example, it what says are you trying here, to hide, George? Come on. Many feel that these mono mixes reflect the true intention of the band. For example, in the case of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, all the mono mixes were done together with the Beatles themselves throughout the recording of the album, whereas the stereo mixes were done in only six days by George Martin, Jeff Emmerich, and Richard Lush after the album had been finished, with none of the Beatles attending. I'm telling you, George, George Martin. Yeah. Doing his own doing shit there so the white albums it gets weirder so the white album well and that's the one i think of traditionally as having the most stereoscope right and while that was mixed by mono for the beatles and released in the uk as mono in the united states only the stereo version was sold craziness anyway we've done a pretty major digression well as is our want we are want as is our want as we are want to do but so the next thing i want to talk about is we we see the the opening title and we have again this sort of like contrast the old and new almost dissonance going on where there's two different fonts here for the title. The and Lebowski are in one type of font, and then Big is different. It's a different font. It's got a different like like texture in it. Um, but Big is very like old timey looking, and then The and Lebowski have this quasi futuristic sort of thing going on. Um, and then there's these like circular like things like these other design elements in the background almost like like atomic age sort of yes atomic age right perfect right perfect kind of word for that yes so yeah the little well they're like the yeah these little 50th star things right around. right and again right. the title comes toward us right it's coming toward us the big lebowski but again, look at the the big is like wood wood grained or something. Yeah, so it's like wood, right? Well, again, we talked about this mixing, right? With the with the with the titles in the beginning of right. the film, we yeah. have the big Lebowski. The and Lebowski are written in this space age chrome. Yeah, yeah. Kind of look to it. It's quasi futuristic. Big is this kind of like old west font. And it, yeah, it's like a cross section of a tree trunk. It's right. Like wood grain. Right. It's like a cutout of a tree. And there's your. And you'd have to further chop that down. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it scales up, like vertically only. Do you yeah. see that? And as it, it it comes toward us. Yeah, it's scaling up. It's like, but not horizontally, just vertically, up and down. Getting bigger, right, just vertically. Well, well, it gets to us, right? It gets to its destination. The big Lebowski gets there, but then the word "big" then continues to yeah, scales in this bizarre way, a little bit. Again, stressing it's big, right? Big, it's the huge. big Lebowski. The word is big, 
It's getting bigger. It it's, gets bigger. Right. Look, this is big, man. Big. Not small. It reminds me of ain't small. The, the thin blue line. Thin blue line. Errol Morris. Errol Morris. Thin blue yes. line. Documentary. The thin blue line. Filmed by Errol Morris. Documentary about social justice. The Philip Glass music. The titles for that movie. Okay. Below me. Away. I remember seeing right. that for the first time, watching it in I, a, uh, right. a theater on my college campus, you know, studying this for a class. We watched this, and there it was, the Philip Glass music, the black screen, and it just said, the thin blue line. But the word blue was red. Blue was red. And it knocked my mind out of my head somehow. It was just the dramatic music. The word blue was red, and it, like, boom, just blew. It, I don't know. It just hit me just the right way to be like, whoa. There's nothing. wasn't moving around. No. No, no, <laughs> just that. You couldn't quite grasp it. On Google Images, there is a shot. Like, it's, like, some kind of, like, stylized, I don't know, like a poster type thing or something. It says the thin blue line. It's not an actual shot from the film, but in that, it is written in blue. The thin blue line, all in blue, except for the word blue being red. So. But it, uh, yeah. And combine it with some Philip Glass, and it just it freaks you out a little bit. So it's not moving, there's not different fonts. Tell me again what possible similarities there are? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. Okay. No, here's why. Because <laughs> just, they're just... both using the title to, uh, to somehow demonstrate something. Right? So in this case, maybe it's the reverse, right? It's not doing something like showing the opposite, right? But it's saying, oh, this word is big, so I'm making it big, right? And that's kind of like a cheesy thing in a way. Like it could, I, I can see this in my mind being done this really cheesy way like in the 80s like you know like something like i don't know this wasn't a movie from there, like you know big mama's house and then showing like some cartoony big mama like jump down onto the word big and it like kind of like goes or something right <laughs> like just accentuate how this is big <laughs> Plastic man stretches out. Look, he stretches. That's why he's so awesome. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> well, and so it's not the best analogy, it, maybe. You know, but. we try. Then it gets finished scaling, right? And we have sort of this. Um, it. Uh, it follows the um, the bowling the bowling pin grabber gate thing. The the pin the pin the pin, pin grabber pin the um, the pin tray the I I don't know the name of it. I, I mean I've I've bowled. I should know the name of these things. The bowling pin resetter. Anyway. Bowling pin resetter. Right. Or the pin setter. The pin setter. Okay. Well, there we go. So we're in this nether region. Pin setter, yes. Pin setter, yes. Pin setter. We're in this sort of like 
negative space nether region now uh, with these little crazy circular design elements and the uh, opening title. And we have this uh, kind of natural white where yeah. the title follows the, the pin setter up and it, it kind of wipes and then here we are we're on our journey now yep and then yep yep the pin setter comes up it's like we're suddenly we're okay we had a momentary respite into this weird cartoon world but right, now here right. it raises up we're back into the world of the real yeah right world of the real now one thing that always bothered me about these pin setters was that sometimes if you would bowling yes i'm bowling during when i'm bowling the pin setter might not grab all of the pins right like you would maybe maybe you get a strike or whatever maybe you're in the last three you get a strike but it doesn't and there's one empty one there that's a faulty pin setter it would just irritate me because then you know, it would set down the pins, and they wouldn't all be there. It's usually that the seven or the ten, but maybe. And I, I just didn't know if that made it harder or easier. So you got a freebie. Well, I got a freebie, but did it count it? Like, how does it count it? Does it count it when it collects the pins that were knocked down, or the pins remaining, or? But the irony is probably it might lead to less being down. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The irony is that with that pin missing, you might have had, uh, it might be harder to knock them all down. You maybe, might need it. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you, yeah, oh. there's some cascading of pins that, <clears throat> I don't know. Now, we see a close-up of the scorecard, and do you notice anything about that? Yes. What's that? What do you see? Yes. Ashcroft Medical Arts, Surgical Reconstruction and Augmentation. <laughs> right. Right. So this is what? A advertisement, basically, for some sort of, like, is this breast augmentation that they're advertising? Free first consultation by appointment only. This is what is written on their scorecard. Yeah, it's an advertisement. It's an advertisement. They... It's the day before CompU bowling. <laughs> bowling alleys need to monetize every way they can. They squeeze every last drop. They're milking it, man. They milk it. <laughs> right. Yeah, put the advertisement on the scorecard. Now, but this is... This is an old ad now. So, I mean, you'd think they would have updated this ad, like keep selling new ads. You sell ads just the one time. Why not get new scorecards? Are these things like you write on them and that's it? Or are they like you wipe them down? Like a plastic transparency thing. I think that they're wipeable. Yeah. I think you wipe it off and reuse So I think the bowling alley proprietor doesn't have good business sense and said, okay, I gotta make these things. You guys, you know, you can put those on there. 
I'll charge you, you can add, but it wasn't like a recurring fee, like a one-time fee. 30 years ago, Ashcroft Medical Arts paid to help pay to get these things produced, and now here's, here they are, 30 years later, still using the same ones. And they got their money's worth out of that deal, Ashcroft Medical Supplies. You know, they came out a winner. It's like 30 years of advertising for one fee. I mean, if I was the owner, I could go and get all the scorecards one night, throw them all out, and I've got to order new ones. This time there's going to be a hefty, you know, let's see if we can uh, make a little profit on the deal. You should open a bowling alley, Brad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're born for the business. You have bowler's blood in you. One thing that occurs to me looking at this, so it's Brunswick, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, you know, bowling right. alley. On the, written on the... Bowling company, whatever. I don't know, bowling thing. equipment manufacturer. Ball comes out. The Brunswick, though, that font, mm -hmm. that's similar. I don't know if it's the same font as the words the and the bad. It's the, it's the chrome. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's no, probably not... Huh. The same, but it's yeah, similar. That, that same kind of it is similar old school script kind of '50s space agey thing going on. Yeah, yeah, chromey '50s atomic agey. Mm, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. So, next we see a ball rolling out of the ball return. Right. It says John Goodman. Right. So now the uh, old... So there's different colors involved here. Right, two different colors. Right. It says Jeff Bridges, and it's, again, the Jeff is the chrome, and that's the chrome color. And it says Bridges, and it doesn't have the wood grain on it, but it's just kind of a yellow kind right. of... Doesn't match the you wood. Know, it's not quite wood, but it's mm -hmm. similar maybe in some way. But then John Goodman, the Goodman... Again, John is the same old chrome, but Goodman is blue now. They're mixing it up. Like, they're not consistent with it. That's that. And and then yeah. his name is shown. We see the ball coming out of the ball. They're all over the place. Then immediately after that, Julianne Moore. Again, Julianne Chrome. More green. Green, Green now. lettering. Right. right as you see this dude putting his fingers in these holes. Right, jamming them in so there. So is that another reference to well, a sexual anatomy? Well, I would Adam, say so. Yes. I mean, yeah. especially because Julianne Moore is... Right, as it says, Julianne Moore. Right. Subconscious, maybe? She's the one the dude sleeps with. Maybe the editor only thought he would notice. Little did he know, one day we'd be studying this movie such in depth. <laughs> he could not foresee that. What his problem was. He, he shoves those fingers in and yeah. lifts that ball up. Gives a good little, like, oh, yeah. Get mm. my, yeah Wriggles them around in there. Good. Shove them in. Mm, yeah. <laughs> a little violent. <laughs> but much like John Goodman's character of Walter Sobchak, that might as well, instead of be a ball, be Walter rolling down there. Green ball. Moore is written green. It's all connected. So Marmonet is up pretty much after that. He picks up the ball, the green ball. Then we see the glittery ball. For like a split second. Then there's a shot of the guy's feet. And that's it. I would say, for all intents and purposes, 
as well as very intensive purposes, that that glittery gold ball, that's like the end. Now, if you look at the feet of this fella here, we see these feet just for a little bit. That's the same, that's, I'm skipping ahead here, but that's the same guy we see at the end of the movie who bulls the strike. It's the, okay. you know, our well, bald, this is bald guy. Those are his shoes, those are his feet. So it's like, did they just work in shots that they shot for the end into this montage of bowling scenes? Do you think that's an accident? Do you think, um, like, they just didn't think anyone would notice? This, it's the same guy. Well, don't you think it also could have been um, intentional to have, like, the first guy we see here rolling out, rolling the ball, it's the same guy at the end? Like a bookend, a bowling bookend? Maybe. Well, when we get to the end, we'll have to just address that in its totality. Yes, we will. We don't want to jump ahead too much now. So if we... Are we ready to wrap up here, then? I'm ready to wrap it up, man. Like a scooter I, at I Christmas. Mean, you know, without a doubt, there's more milk. I think we can always squeeze more milk out of a, any given yeah. cow. I think that's part of our special skill when we combined. Yeah. We, we, we have that superpower, but at some point... We're milkmen. We do just have to say enough is enough. But they call us the milk the milkmen. Yep. Milkmen. Milkmen. Or as I like to call us, the Poop Deckers. Next time on Gutter Balls. Remove my pantaloons and address the man, the, the little man. <laughs> <laughs>